This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments, allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Vic Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Vic, and you're listening to The Mindful Experiment. As we dive in this week, having an opportunity to discuss, interview, and talk about Dr. Diva's journey, his medical journey, of how it transformed him to a more holistic perspective, and so much more. Um, it was a really great interview, a really great chat with him, and getting into the mindset and how he 
went through and he what he knew and the limits of what he knew um, when it came to nutrition and things along that nature, uh, when it came to his health medical, health issues that he had, and how he had to truly transform and do his own research to gain deeper understanding of a whole different world that he wasn't exposed to before, but due to his own health crisis, he was doing just that. Just a little background on Dr. Diva. He is a board-certified osteopathic physician and has extensive knowledge and training in integrative and functional medicine. Dr. Nagula grew up in Alexandra, Virginia. His interests in medicine developed at an early age when he decided to follow in his father's footsteps. Dr. Nagula graduated from Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. He completed his residency in physical medicine and rehabilitation at EVMS and a fellowship in interventional pain medicine at Emory University. He opened a practice in rural South Georgia, as well as the first AAHC certified ambulatory surgical center in Georgia, where he performed cutting edge intervention procedures, interventional procedures. Recently, Dr. Nagula completed training in integrative medicine under the renowned Dr. Andrew Wheel. He recently relocated to the great Washington, D.C. area to be closer to his family and friends. He is committed to his passion for healthy lifestyles. He believes most diseases that plague this country can be prevented and sometimes treated by positive health and lifestyle changes. As a chiropractor, I couldn't agree more with that last statement. That majority of the things that we face as a society, we can work with holistic measures to do just that. So without further ado, here is Dr. Diva. Dr. Diva, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have you on. You have a very fascinating story of your, your, your battle with cancer and all those other things that you went through, and you have a book to talk about you know, your journey and so much more, which I know we're going to get into, and I have a lot of questions for you there. Uh, normally, when I first begin, uh, I always like to ask, uh, how did you get into what you're doing now? What, what's your story? Yeah, so I'll get into this a little briefly, but it all was a culmination after a lot of things that occurred in my life. And um, at the time, I, I was practicing medicine and I was practicing in the field of interventional pain management. I started this practice up from the ground up and without any knowledge of business and just kind of grew into it and learned as I went along. And after seven and a half years, I had two thriving practices in two different states, a surgery center, and 25 to 30 employees. And I was just the, the only man that was running the show, seeing patients and, and running the business. And I exited it in, in 2000, at the end of 2012. And that, that was, uh, for me, um, it was just a time where I was so burnt out. Uh, patient care was, was for me, was, I wasn't in the moment with the patients because I had so much stress in my mind. And I figured I just needed to get out um, and, and just reduce the amount of stress that was going on. And I exited my practice in 2012. And so 2013, I was really about just living life, turning a new page in, my, in the chapter of my life. I had just gotten married, uh, was planning on having a family. And at the end of the year, I was uh, going to a doctor's office appointment, and um, I have just a regular routine visit to check on my blood work and things of that nature. And I had this complaint of these um, enlarged like areas in my neck, and I assumed there were cysts. You know, it didn't even dawn on me of the possibilities that it could be. I just thought it was superficial. And I was really wondering what it was, and I thought I would just need to be referred to a dermatologist and have it excised. 
And uh, my my uh, internist was like, no, we should, you know, probably get some x-rays and, and do some things to check on it and figure out what it really is. I was a little concerned, but he had this look on his face that he was concerned. And, and I just went ahead and agreed with him to appease him. Uh, we ended up getting a CAT scan of my head and neck, and it did actually um, show some slices of the axilla of the armpit. And when we reviewed it, it showed that I had had extremely enlarged lymph nodes. It just lit up like a Christmas tree. They were so enlarged all through my head and neck and my armpit. And to give you, to give you a, a perspective, typically lymph nodes are about one to two millimeters in size. These lymph nodes were about uh, one to two centimeters in size. So it was pretty enlarged. Um, there are multiple things, as you know, uh, that can cause enlarged lymph nodes. It could be an inflammatory reaction, allergies, um, your immune system is is working hard for some fighting some sort of infection. I was feeling fine at the time. Again, this was a year after I, I let go of all the stress. Um, I was just living life, working at the time, and and was really about to enjoy uh, uh, the prospect of having a good uh, few years ahead of me in terms of having a family and, and just enjoying things. So uh, he wanted me to go to an oncologist, and I was like, what, an oncologist? What? I mean, medically speaking, that's the right thing to do, but as a patient, that's the last thing that you you really want to go talk to or hear. And I, I you know, begrudgingly went ahead and proceeded because uh, I knew they had the special specialties and special, uh, they had the um, knowledge of figuring out what's going on, and, and I said, okay, fine. So after a battery of tests, blood work, uh, more scans, bone marrow biopsy. Um, they actually had to go in and remove one of my lymph nodes and to do a biopsy itself. Um, I went back in and, um, you know, as a follow-up. And the first thing he said, when my wife and I at the time were, were looking at him and he says, you have stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And that was, I mean, I, I, I couldn't even grasp the concept because it was so foreign to me because that was not what I was expecting. Simply because I was feeling great, you know, my, my normal blood work that you would get, you know, that extra chemistries and your, and your, um, your blood profile was normal. I didn't have any signs of anything. So it was like, where are you, what are you talking about? And at that point, you know, it was just sort of like figuring out, what I had to do next, he actually offered me to go through this aggressive, aggressive chemo uh, regimen. And I, I was like, hold on, I'm, I'm 40 years old. And I, you know, you want me to go through this aggressive chemo and there are no other options. And this was a private practitioner in my area and uh, where I was living at the time in Jacksonville, Florida. And he, um, w that's what he felt that was the best uh, thing for me at the time. I really you know, started to take things in my own hands. I mean, I'm, I'm a physician, so I'm going to question everything and I have the knowledge and resources to look everything up and to really educate myself. And lymphoma was not something that, um, you know, I was familiar with. I probably had a few, you know, courses of it in medical school, but that wasn't my area of expertise. So I went ahead and hit the books. I did a lot of research and a lot of um, uh, online work and, and just digging and figuring out what the cause of it was. Um, lymphoma is not something that's genetic, at least non-Hodgkin's lymphoma doesn't have any genetic bearing at all. And at that point, it dawned on me that it was all about my lifestyle. And it's all lifestyle driven. And I was always learning about uh, all the things that could cause lymphoma, it just became really scary for me as I realized that I was doing this to myself. You know, it was a culmination of things about um, eating poorly, 
not having the right supplementation, not being outside in the sun, not exercising, not sleeping well. And the biggest thing for me was that I was always under a tremendous amount of sleep, never really, um, amount of stress, I mean, and I never really slept well. So all these were confounding factors that just built up over time. Yes, over the year uh, that I was um, uh, not working and I had that one year where I was off work and really enjoying life, even though that was a great to help me, but it didn't matter because the damage had already been done. This was a culmination and accumulation of so many things over a, over, a, over a period of time that just got to the point where my body was overwhelmed with inflammation and stress that it was just a, a inevitable thing for me to happen. And, and, and it, it was for me, it was to realize that what I needed to do was to change my life. The doctors, the private doctor wanted me to start chemo. I ended up going to two specialists, one in Sloan Kettering in New York and one in Mayo Hospital. And both were, were like, well, you're young, you're not symptomatic, so let's just watch and wait. And that was an option that I have found in my research that can be, um, can be a form of treatment. And in my case, I chose that option because I wasn't having any symptoms. And it was during this watch and wait period where I felt I had an opportunity to reverse things naturally and to see if the cancer could regress. And I just employed all sorts of strategies. Um, but in the end, unfortunately, it was, um, it was a little too late for me. So I ended up having to go to chemo. And after five to six months of chemotherapy, you know, I was supposed to have six months actually, but they curtailed it to five because my body couldn't handle the sixth one because my immune system was shot because of all the toxins that were poured into me it suppressed my immune system fortunately it did the work it did the work i was able to go into remission um and then when i got out of in, out of remission I went, i'm sorry when i was in remission it was all about well at that point to me it was when i hit the bottom of the barrel because i didn't have the cancer that was on my mind anymore i didn't have you know the whole time that i was chasing the cancer. It was all up to fate in terms of what my life was going to be. I had no control over it. And for a person who's typically a control freak, that was really um, a daunting, uh, you know, uh, mindset that I had to take in. And it was just, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with that. Um, so when the cancer ended and, and the remission status began, I was, I was stuck going, what do I do now? And I don't have anything to be mad at anymore. I don't have anything to look the fight at. And then it was at this time where I discovered, okay, it's time to reinvent myself. You know, it's, I got to dig really deep and figure out strategies in terms of how to live my life because I don't want this to come back again. And, and that's, where the, that's where the new journey and the new life um, for me began. What a story. Now, when, with that story, though, because <clears throat> I know you have the one doc who said, hey, you're going to have to do this very severe, aggressive chemotherapy. And then, you know, you were looking for other options. What ended up making you choose the chemo? Was it just your, your to the roadblock? What was it? Because I know you were mentioning a little bit of it, but I just wanted to get a little clarification. Yeah, good, yeah, yeah. Good question. So for me, it was uh, the watch and wait period was something that we were going to employ. And if there were any things that were going to happen for me in terms of abnormal blood work, abnormal scans, we would be in chemo. And for six months, I didn't have any scans. And what I happened was I was having this intense back pain. And I was like, you know, it was, it was, it was like flat pain that radiated into my, my groin area. I was like, okay, you know, I've diagnosed this a thousand times. It's got to be a kidney stone. And this is weird, you know, because kidney stones never had before, but in, in states of cancer, you do have an increased amount of calcium because of the cell turnover. And that's what I figured what was going on. It was, is that I was just 
turning over a lot of cells because I thought the watch and weight was hot, was working because of the new diet and the new lifestyle I was trying to employ. But in fact, that wasn't the case. We got scans and it turned out that my cancer had gotten really aggressive. Um, the one to two, the lymph nodes that were one to two centimeters, they weren't distinguishable individual lymph nodes. It just grew into this big mass all over my body, specifically in my abdomen and in my uh, retroperitoneal area, which is around my kidneys. What had happened was the cancer, the mass was growing. It was encroaching on my ureter and kidney causing the pain. So that was a sign where it was like, okay, enough's enough. No more watching and waiting and messing around. Let's, let's, let's hit it with chemo. Gotcha. And with this, this process, after you went into remission, you know, with all the research you were doing prior to, um, what was your next step? What was your, what was your mindset after that? How, how were you looking at things? Because, you know, I know you didn't want to go the chemo route. You wanted to have a family. Um, you ended up having to go the chemo route. And did that like put you down a course of like, you know, you know, you said you're a control freak. So I'm thinking you had a vision of what you wanted. This is how it's going to go. Bam, you ended up not getting what you wanted. Um, what happened after that? Right. When I, when it was told to me that I had to get chemo, that's when I lost all resolve. I literally was so despondent and, and went into a state of depression, denial, and I was in a lot of anger. Uh, I shut people out of my life um, and I was just mad, you know, because this was the first time in my life where I had actually um, had a goal I had set for myself to regress the cancer on its own and it didn't work and I, I felt like a failure. And then at that point I had zero control over my well-being. It was all up to the medicine. And uh, when I when I finished the, the chemo regimen, it was like um, – the, the tipping point for me was when I went to the grocery store after everything had ended and I was in remission status. And then that's when I, uh, I ran into my personal trainer whom, whom I used to work out with before all this started. And that was a tipping point for me because it really, um, what happened was is that we were joking around and it was the bond and camaraderie that we used to have that really rejuvenated me. And then it got me motivated because that, that rejuvenation was just like a spark for me. And I was like, yeah, he asked me if I wanted to work out. And I was like, absolutely, let's start working out again. And as I began to work out, I was like, yes, this is the way I need to like, live. I need to start like, looking at my body and fix my body. I mean, it was an objective perspective because I could look at myself in the mirror and I knew that I was you know, slightly overweight. I was slim, but I, I knew my BMI was, was high and was probably considered in the obese range. So I was like, okay, this is, this is it. I need to figure out, I need to restart the practices of eating well, you know, and eliminating processed foods and, and really curtailing things that were contributing to poor diet and poor, um, poor lifestyle and really start changing my, um, the way I was putting things in my body and also had to really exercise. So that was a spark for me that really triggered a lot of changes. I love that. And then from there, did that start the journey to the book and the whole aspect? Like, because um, a lot of times in, in, the, in the, the medical world, I mean, as you know, uh, it's it's for the gold standards, chemo and radiation, and that's it. And I, I from my back hearing, I never really hear like lifestyle changes or even the mindset. How does the mind play a huge role in that um, and helping people shift their minds and things along that nature? Was this the starting, was this the shift that got you into all this or was it like a stage by stage? Like you did this, then you went to the next stage, you had this phase and then you went into something else, sparked you to go deeper in. 
is interesting because at that time I was also dabbling in the field of integrative medicine. I didn't know what integrative medicine was. And I just happened to do some research and find that there was an integrative medicine fellowship in a whole field of medicine that really combined the tenets of traditional medicine as we know it with, um, you know, uh, Western or Eastern philosophies uh, and, and natural ways of healing the body. And that was what interested me because all the research that I did was really changing the way I, I, I view things and heal my body naturally using just uh, optimizing supplements and also putting in the right foods. And, and I learned that food is indeed medicine. And it was at that point that really spawned on the uh, focus on the body. And um, for me, and I'll, I'll get into this a little bit with what I actually did and learned um, before I start talking about how I, uh, how I discover other strategies um, unrelated to body. But with the body, for me, it was all about um, putting in the right foods into my system. I had spent a lot of time in all, in, after high school eating junk. And when I was in high school, my parents were vegetarians. And so we ate a plethora of vegetables and healthy foods all the time growing up. But as soon as I went to college, it was all about just eating what was, what was satiating, what was um, you know, quick and fast. So I was, I was a big like, uh, staunch person. I, I was basically following the standard American diet. And if those are people who don't know, it's really consisting of, of processed foods, fast casual, fast food um, eating, um, devoid of nutrients, and consuming a lot of sugary beverages. And it was, it was this that I needed to eliminate. And that was the first thing that I, 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 was, I was really wanting to do for myself. And it was a hard transition because I didn't know what was right to put in my body. I understood the concept, but changing from what I was used to eating all the time, you know, fast food restaurants and going to Chick-fil-A or, or going to Mickey D's or Subway, that was what I was doing all the time. And I didn't know any better because they don't teach you nutrition in medical school. It was something that I had to learn on my own. And, and I learned about the process of organic and how organic is, uh, you know, is, is, is a lot better for us because uh, if you're eating um, conventional food, it's full of pesticides and it's filled, full of um, toxins that, we're, uh, that actually can harm our bodies and, and, and increase inflammation. And these are things that I had to learn just by reading and researching. And these weren't my traditional medical journals that I was reading. It was just other things that I had come across. It was just something that was shocking when I learned about this because we, nutrition was the last thing that we actually not even lasting. It wasn't even on the list in our curriculum for us to learn. So that was the biggest change for me. And I learned so much about what I, what I um, was putting into my body and how I needed to change. Um, and what I tell people now is like, they'll ask me, so what, what kinds of stuff do you do to eat? And I'm like, well, I, I, this is what my preference and, and, and what I do is I eat everything. I, I try to consume on a regular basis of organic. I try to eat an array of, of vegetables. Um, and the array that I go by is, is the more colors an assortment of colors that I put into my body, the better it is. And every color of vegetables and fruits that are out there has a different phytonutrient that does a specific part of your body that, that assists in reducing inflammation in a different way. And so this is how I strategize my, my life going forward at this point. Um, and this is all stems from my, my um, knowledge that I gained from pursuing an integrative medicine fellowship. And I, I, um, applied and got into the University of Arizona program with um, Dr. Andy Weil, who was a program director. I learned so much. Um, 
and it was this that really spawned on on my uh, progress of of rebuilding myself. And for me, it was the body. And to answer your question, and and uh, was the body was the first thing that I put that I put my fingers on. And um, I moved over to the D.C. area. Uh, I needed to get out of that area where I was in. And um, what really got me writing the book was that um, I felt like I had a lot of knowledge um, that helped me. And I wanted to really put together strategies for people that were in an easy format and it was a blueprint of what to do to prevent chronic disease and illness. And specifically, my book was, was geared for people who um, wanted to change their lives for uh, purposes of, uh, of preventing cancer. But in actuality, it, it can really help people to, for many diseases. It's not necessary to prevent cancer, but it's also uh, something that can be utilized to prevent chronic disease. And, and then right now we're in a situation where we're fighting this, this virus and, and the virus really can take hold of people who have a weak immune system. And so the strategies in this book and the blueprint that I outlined can help prevent, um, you know, the virus from taking a hold of your body because your immune system is that much stronger. I love it. And, and Andrew Wiles is an amazing guy, as you know, um, as you got to experience. And was he that the starting point that like now, because the reason why I'm, I'm trying to get in more into that, the, the mind side and the, the, you know, so forth is because I've, I've worked with a lot of shamans and so forth and energy healers. And they will always talk about like when it comes to cancer, one of the emotions that that's evolved with it is anger yeah, and, and frustration that comes a lot well, more anger than anything. And was it through Andrew Wheels, Wild stuff that where um, you started to take a peek into the mind and add that into your book and stuff along that nature? It started that way. Um, and the biggest thing that they emphasized was, was uh, in the fellowship. Food was obviously a huge part of it, but a lot of it was mindfulness. And, and mindfulness is defined as moment-to-moment awareness without judgment. And for me, that was a new concept because... I never thought of myself as having an issue with my mind. And in fact, that was a huge culprit for me. Like I was never a person who really lived in the moment. And when when you're living in the moment, there's no stress, there's no emotion, there's no anger, there's no fear. There's just living in the moment moment. And, And so we as individuals, specifically me, I was always worried about the future. I was always worried about the past of what I didn't do. I was just like beating myself up for things that happened to me in the past. And, and then I was geared as a physician, you know, we were looking at our life from a future perspective, you know, like out of high school, it's like, okay, I need to get good grades. So I can go to college in college. I need to do, I need to do well. So, and take standardized tests so I can get into medical school In medical school, you're like studying your butt off. So you can pass these standardized tests to get into a good residency program. And then when you get into a good residency program, you need to take your board so that you can pass them and then ultimately get into, uh, have a good job and practice. And, and it's always been that mentality for me. So I always looked in the future. And then as a result of looking in the future, and looking at the past mistakes that I was making up to my, I mean, for myself, I, I was really never in the present moment. And that's what I, I was starting to learn um, was that mindfulness really focuses the moment. And when you're in the moment, there is no stress. There's no worry. And you're able to really combat that um, constant fight or flight. And for me, that's where it dawned on me is that I living, I've been living a life in fight or flight all my life. And I did not know how to live in parasympathetic 
or, or rest or digest. And um, I, I knew that at the time, and uh, but I didn't know how to um, like implement strategy or how to um, use tools to measure the state of fight or flight versus rest or digest. Then as I was writing the book, I was learning so much things. Um, I, even after the book was written and released, I started to learn more. And I wish I, the strategies that I, stuff that I've learned after I could have put in the book. But um, one of the things that I do, I do measure is my RV. And heart rate variability is the measure of, of the resiliency of your, of your nervous system. And typically, it's, a, it's on a scale from zero being the lowest, and there's no ceiling. But um, when you're in the lowest range, you're in fight or flight. And as we know, the more you're in fight or flight, the more it really stimulates your nervous system and the more it increases inflammation, which can lead to chronic disease. And for me, I, I was starting to measure my HRV on a regular basis. I wear um, a tracking tool called the Aura Ring. And it measures a lot of things like HRV, your your um, heart rate, um, your sleep. Um, it, it's got it's really the coolest thing that I I feel that I've been able to um, use for myself for my own personal growth. Um, I started, you know, um, my HRV was measuring in twenties and 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 thirties, which is really low, and that that was very much an indication that I was constantly in fight or flight. So then I discovered all these hacks and things to help me. Um, in- of my HRV, and that was through a lot of the mind strategies that I was discussing. Meditation, um, biggest thing for me was was breathing exercises. And there's so much resistance to meditation out there, and it's because it, it can be considered as woo-woo, and automatically that, that puts a stereotype on this. Um, but not to mention people like, I, I don't have the time to sit there for 15 minutes, 20 minutes a day to like just calm down. And then when I am in that position, I don't feel like, I'm doing it right because my mind's racing. And that's why I, I don't tend to like focus on meditation. What I tend to focus is on breathing exercises. Um, breathing exercises is one of the things that do it and implement that has immediate results. I mean, if you sit there and practice a breathing session, it doesn't take very long. You can literally feel your heart rate just calming down. And then you can really also feel that your nervous system is calm down too. So, um, and that's what I learned. And as I was implementing those types of uh, um, exercises and strategies, you know, I, I noticed that I wasn't, I was more in the moment and I didn't really think about the future so much in the past. My anger was easily subsided. If I felt really angry for whatever reason, um, I was really able to reduce that anger by really focusing on some breathing exercises. After like a five, 10 minute session of breathing, be like what was i angry about i totally forgot because it was so effective in reducing my my stress at the time i love that uh, i'm going to dive into it in a second because when you get an hrv that's my wheelhouse that's what i use in my, <laughs> and my i use that in my own private office so i we use it for a lot of things um but it's interesting though too because when i was going through chiropractic school it was the same thing well before i got into it it was all the same process of all right i'm going to school i'm going to graduate once i'm done i'm going to go over here i'm going to go to chiropractic school once i graduate i'm done i'm going to start my own business and then i'm just going to go and then eventually i'll get to the level i want to be at and it was just always about what's the next thing and it it was it was a hard process for me too because i've been meditating since uh, about 13 years now but in, in mindfulness and all this stuff but it was one of those things that even though I was doing it, I, I was still caught in a trap for a mm-hmm. while until all of a sudden, it was just like a few years ago, really. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to just enjoy what is and, and I'm going to plan for the future, but if I'm not like holding on to it. It'll be whatever it's going to be and I'm just going to focus on here right now. 
hundred percent. And uh, I, I love the horror ring. I have one myself. I've, I've <laughs> been using it for a long time. Well, a little over almost a year now. Um, but it's really great. Isn't it an amazing tool? Like when you're talking about like with cancer, or any chronic illnesses, I mean, HRV is a quality life indicator. And, and that's not my opinion. Um, and it's one of those things that people can use to, you know, you use, I know you said the meditation, but you like doing more of the breathing techniques. Um, it, it all helps and adds to it in so many fashions. Um, is there certain breathing techniques or exercises you like or a specific that you choose to, to share or you shared in your book? Yeah. So in my breathing, um, in the book, I actually share um, Dr. Randy Wiles' um, breathing technique. It's called 478. And I, I use that, but I find another technique uh, better. But the thing is, is that you can use combination of techniques during your, your breathing exercise. So 478 is what you do is you, um, you inhale on a count of four, and then you hold for a count of seven, and then you exhale for a count of eight. And all this while you're doing this, you really have your tongue it's pressed up against the portion of your the roof of your mouth. That's supposed to stimulate some um, pressure points, and that really lowers your heart rate and just calms you down. That combined with the breathing uh, technique helps really reduce um, the, your fight or flight response. And in fact, when I was in lecture, uh, I remember specifically Dr. Weil was actually talking about this technique, and in his practice, He's had several patients that actually who had an irregular rhythm known as atrial fibrillation that would actually, after a few months of practice doing this, like um, five to 10 minutes twice a day, were able to convert back into a normal sinus rhythm, not using any medications. It was just the breathing because he was in an atrial fibrillation or an irregular heartbeat simply because the person was in a heightened state of you know, fight or flight all the time. And so by implementing these, these strategies of breathing, it was... That that really, the convert that really caused the conversion back into a normal rhythm, and that was powerful. It's like wow, you don't need drugs, you don't need, you know, anxiolytics, you know, or antidepressants. You can just do this yourself with breathing exercises. It doesn't cost anything, you know, but like a couple of minutes a day. And um, another exercise that I like to use is called the box box breathing or square breathing. Um, it's a little like the four seven eight, but in fact is is that what you do is you inhale um, in, in a count of four or five or whatever it is that you feel comfortable. Then you hold for four or five, and then you exhale for a, four, a count of four or five. And then at the end of the exhale, you kind of hold that, that exhale for a count of four or five, and then you restart. And uh, the thing is, what I, what's really interesting, you can teach breathing exercises, and by me saying this, this is great. People can start doing this. But if you're in a state of chronic fight or flight, you're going to be this chest breather. And chest breathing is, is, for example, the way I describe it to people is if you're running, we want to get air in and out of our bodies quickly. So the way to do that is chest breathe because we're sort of elevating our, our um, sympathetic response and kind of being in a sort of fight or flight. So we want the air to, to exchange quickly. And if you're, in tr in a, if you're experiencing trauma or have a chronic trauma, um, or, or always in fight or flight, you, you're, uh, that's the go-to of breathing. That becomes a new normal. So I've, all, I've always been that. It's only been last year or a year and a half ago where I discovered all the breathing stuff that I was doing was incorrect because I was chest breathing. I wasn't taking breaths from my diaphragm. And that's where you really get in the relaxation and the parasympathetic to, to, to start kicking in. And the way to do that is when you're doing these inhalations, you slightly tuck in your belly and you tuck it in. 
And that forces the diaphragm to start working. And you kind of continue to hold that belly tucked in through the inhale and through the exhale. And then you'll start to feel the benefits and you immediately start feeling that relaxation coming in. I love it. Breath work is, is extremely powerful. There's so many that are out there. And they, it's all, you know, again, as you said, parasympathetics, and it's just stimulating that and, uh, you know, just, just, you know, teaching the nervous system by changing your pattern, changing, uh, there's a part of the, the brain that's called the breath, um, the breathing pacemaker. I think the actual neuro, neurological terms for it, but um, it, it's one of those things that it's, it's always monitoring how you're breathing. And this is how you can instantly change the rhythms of the body just by slowing down the breath, which then will start to slow down the body. That's why it's so cool when we can take a deep breath in and deep breath out. You're like, oh, I feel a little calmer. Right. right. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, how did you then, so you got the spirit side. What is the spirit part of your book and what, what does that entail? So again, my spiritual side didn't really kick in until I started to maybe um, a few months when I, uh, before I started the journey of writing the book. And for me, um, you know, looking into it, it's, Spirituality does not necessarily have to have a religious connotation. You know, religious religion is usually defined as um, having a group of people that have common set of beliefs or, or, or doctrine and practice. You know, spirituality isn't that. It's really about finding your purpose in life and understanding that we really are, are, are all connected together and we're all connected to the universe, with the universe. And that was something that, um, uh, you know, really kicked in when as I started to research. Um, and I, um, for me, at the time of, spirit, of discovering spirituality, I really realized that I was alone. And um, I, I, through my cancer, you know, I, I shut everybody out. And I, that became a new normal for me is to isolate myself. I didn't know how to converse with people anymore. I didn't know how to connect with people and that was, and I didn't know that until I started understanding and reading and researching about what was going on with me. Like I had the mind down, mind part of it down. I pretty much had the body part of it down, but I knew something was missing. And it was when I was researching and, and I was like thinking to myself, why, why don't I feel right? I still didn't feel like I was, um, you know, on the path to improving and being in a path of uh, uh, health and wellness. Something was missing for me, and uh, it was that, and it was lack of connection, and uh, loneliness is interesting because it can be it's it's a risk factor. It's actually a greater risk factor for mortality than smoking a pack of cigarettes per day or drinking um, a lot of alcohol uh, on a regular basis, and that for me was a eye opener as I really realized that that was me. I, I lacked connection. And I, I, again, my, my new normal was living alone, being myself. I work from home um, and I just, you know, didn't feel the need to be connected, but that's what I, I needed the most was connection. And it doesn't mean that you, you know, if you live in New York City or in a major metropolitan hub in the country, you could walk outside and be full of, be around people a lot, but you can still feel lonely because you don't have that connection. And connection is so important in terms of our growth and our spirituality. We are meant to bond with one another. We're not supposed to be alone. And for me, the kickstart that I had was um, really dabbling into psychedelic medicines. And I, and I write about that in my book. And psychedelic medicines has been a new frontier. It's not really a new frontier, but it's gaining interest again. 
and there's so much research that's going on. And the FDA uh, has fast-tracked two, me- two medicines um, it, that will be legalized probably within the next few years because of its improvements on PTSD, depression, anxiety, uh, OCD, and, and a lot of other mental issues, uh, addiction. Um, and, so that's, and, and so it's these medications that I've, I, I dabbled in and that really increased my spiritual awareness and really made me realize that um, there's a bigger purpose in life and um, we're meant to be connected to one another. We're meant to bond with each other. And uh, it, it was, it was um, also around this point that I realized that loneliness, the cure to loneliness was obviously to really um, increase connectivity with people, but the cure to loneliness is to be of service to others. So I started this, this mission for myself is to really be more um, of service and be uh, to others and, and help them in any way need in, in, a, in a very unselfish way. Uh, and that cures the loneliness feature uh, about us. It, it allows us to be more connected with people because we're in of service to them. So rather than my life that I used to lead where it was all about power, money, chasing money, chasing the dollar, you know, of course, I wanted my patients to have the best. Uh, I was always, I'm a physician by nature, so I'm a healer by nature, and I always wanted people to get better. But there was also this other confounding thing that li- that society engenders in us and is have you know, power and have money. I don't, I don't think that way anymore. And I think that's a product of uh, my increased spiritual awareness uh, because of my, uh, my dabbling in psychedelics. I love it. Do you, do you mind to share what kind of psychedelics was it? Cause I know a, a plethora of that, but I'm curious yeah. to see what was your, yours and, and that so forth. So what really improved me and what I was um, exposed to the very beginning was a combination. The first thing that I, I was given was um, MDMA, which is the active ingredient in, in Molly or ecstasy is most commonly uh, people are familiar with. And then the other medication that I was also given was um, psilocybin or magic mushrooms. Um, and these two medications can work um, by itself and have and these, are the, these two specifically are what the FDA is fast tracking. And, and having clinical trials, uh, MDMA is in, in phase three clinical trials, and, um, and psilocybin is in phase two, and, and soon to be in phase three. Uh, so yeah, these are the medications that um, I, I was exposed to at the very beginning. I heard they're very powerful. I mean, you know, MDA, <clears throat> MDMA is really good for like to to for individuals who are very depressed, or you know, it, it opens up the childlike in you, from what I've heard. Um, and uh, yeah, that's this. It looks like so. What is it? Stage four, and then that's it, or is there a five? I can't remember. There is a four, but once you're really once you get through three, then you know it's 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 pretty much home free at that point. Gotcha. Yeah, because I know those two. I know I know ayahuasca is another one. That's what yep. I've had experience with. Um, and it's another thing just to help, you know, again, like you're saying connection and, and seeing the bigger picture outside this realm and how we're all interconnected so much more. And it's really important that, you know, these medications are out there. I've done ayahuasca, but the most important thing, and I write this in my book is that if you're going to choose to do these medicines, you really need to be sure the person who's administering it, that they've had a lot of experience, that they, that they feel safe to you and that they provide uh, a nice, a safe environment for you to experience this. Uh, one of two of the biggest things that contribute to a, a good experience is called set and setting. And you'll read this in books um, about psychedelics. Um, Michael Pollan's book that came out about a year and a half, two years ago, um, talks about this. It's called How to Change Your Mind, and it dabbles in all new psychedelics. But the two most important things is to have 
proper mindset going into the experience. If you're having anxiety, if you're having like issues with um, fear going into the experience, that's going to take, that's going to influence your actual psychedelic experience and it may not be pleasant. And then setting is important too. So if you're not in a safe setting, if you do not feel safe, or if the person that you're with who's providing the medicine, if you don't feel comfortable, that's going to influence your journey too. And I found out that the hard way, you know, my first, uh, I, I had some good experiences with a facilitator and then I, and I ended up feeling that, Oh, you know, everyone's going to be the same, you know, who's in this work. And it's not true. Um, one of my worst experiences that I've ever had was because I was in, um, uh, a, a setting that wasn't, I didn't feel safe in. I didn't know people. I didn't really feel comfortable with the facilitator and I was going in there with an increased anxiety anyway. So I had a horrible, horrible experience. And it kind of, it can also traumatize you if you don't, if you don't take into consideration, uh, those two variables. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and also too, sometimes ayahuasca also brings up your fears in a sense. Um, yep. at least from my experience and the first, first time was very bliss and all this amazing things I needed to get. And then all of a sudden, uh, ego needs to get its butt kicked. So it was interesting. Um, but I digress. Uh, awesome stuff. One question I have wanted to ask is who are you today versus who you were in the time leading up to your diagnosis? Oh, I'm a totally different person. Um, I'm a lot. Uh, more calmer. Um, I uh, am more in tune with who I am as an individual. I'm more in tune with my body. I know what my body needs. I listen to my body. Um, and uh, I am more uh, aware of, of toxic things that my body can be uh, exposed to. And I really uh, want to be in a position where I have control over what I put into my body and more importantly, I have the ability to eliminate that those toxicities and toxins and, and uh, put a value on my health. Um, and then in, also for me, it's like I am a different person because I have connection. Um, I do have uh, a group of people that um, I found in the D.C. area, sort of it's called my tribe, I call them. Everyone should have a tribe. And it's like I know they have back if anything happens to me. Um, I can go to somebody if I have an issue and not feel shame. Um, or uh, condescension. Um, it's really important that people feel like um, they have a connection with people. Uh, and a big thing is is that you know we really, in the spirituality uh, sense that I learned, is that our mental, uh, our mindset, our frame influences our health. So if we have a negative mindset about things, we're going to attract negativity, and that's just the law of the universe. That's just what's going to happen. And it's really important to have a positive mindset. You know, um, what I practice right now is is that I have a positive mindset, and I also practice gratitude. Uh, gratitude has also shown you know to re uh, reduce your your state of fight or flight, reduce inflammatory markers in your system. And I try to practice these things where I'm always positive. I wake up in the morning, and you know I, I say to myself what I'm grateful for. Um, you know, and I spend a few things just to, just to, in my mind. Before I go to bed, I also try to think about the day that had, had I just uh, went through and I point out the things that I'm grateful for. And again, I try to go to bed with a positive mindset. So it's really a, a, a combination of things um, that's led to where I am and who I am now, you know, and that's optimizing my mind, body, and spirit. I love that. I love the journey that you, where you were to who you are now. And that it's just like it, you're a whole different person. And I feel from what I'm hearing, I'm going to ask you the question. Anyhow, you feel like you're more in control in your life now when it comes to your health and so much than before. 
I do, but the thing is, is that I, I, I and this is one of the things I, I, I have to work. You know, I have a very strong ego, and we really need to surrender um, to uh, and and just let things happen. And the more we surrender and accept it, the more things are going to come to us in abundance. The more we're going to appreciate things, um, and we'll the more we appreciate what we have, and we we are we live in in, in a society where there is abundance. It's just changing that perspective um so that's what i have to work on is really reducing my ego and reducing the control that i need to have on things because that's just been you know four plus years of living that way it's something that you can like change and transition to overnight but for me it's the two things i work on now is really living in the moment trying to be more uh, you know mindful and then also trying to surrender to the universe and just not feel like i need to have that much control over everything I'll tell you that that's a that's a hard thing. I think many of us uh, work on and, and and get to, and it's like the masters who you, know, you see these guys or women too who are like in their sixties and seventies and eighties, and they just have this childlike look to them, and they don't worry about anything. An asteroid yeah. can be coming to the earth, and they just sit there and be like, "Well, you know," and and then it's just like nothing. <laughs> exactly. So it's a process. I love it. Um, real quick, how can people get a hold of you, follow you, connect with you? Uh, and, and, and to see what you're up to, get access to the book and all those things. Yeah, so you can access my book through Amazon. The book, again, is called From Doctor to Patient, Healing Cancer Through Mind, Body, and Spirit. My website is under construction, but it's still there, called from doctortopatient.com. And then I also have a podcast series that I also launched back in January. And each week we feature a guest um, and we discuss like different healing modalities that are off the beaten path but are backed by science and facts and that's also called doctor patient so um those are the best ways to find me awesome dr Devo, it was a pleasure having you on i had a lot of fun getting to know more about you and your story and your journey and the, the, the transition from the medical to more i guess you want to call it holistic or spiritual yeah, spiritual yeah. and all that um i love it vitalistic uh, another another term but um however you want to label it but uh, it's really fascinating to see that shift and now leading the life the way you're leading it and now helping others. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for giving me a, an opportunity to talk about it. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Vic 21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.